0: everyone. Great. Someone's awake. I like that. Uh, we are going to be holding Financial Peace University on March 26th. So, if that interests you at all, uh, take that blue connection card that's inside of the handout that you hopefully got when you walked in. And all you need to put on there is FPU. Now, obviously, we need your contact info. So, give us what we can to, to get in contact with you. It's going to be held every Sunday night except Easter Sunday at 6 p.m. just right downstairs here at the Veterans Post. We're going to hold it down in the boardroom. If you have any questions at all, you can talk to Jeff. our our worship pastor he's going to be leading that class and so if you've got questions about it uh, or concerns you can you can talk to Jeff um, there is a cost. It's $100. That's what a D- the Dave Ramsey team ca- charges us to order a kit. So we want you to know that if for some reason that is a hindrance to you, we have some scholarships available. Some people believe in this program enough to say, we want to support it. And so if someone is saying, we don't know that we can pay the full $100, we have got some scholarship money available for you because we really want to help you be financially free. We just fully believe that God wants each of us To be like Jesus, to love like Jesus loved, and to live like Jesus lived. But if we are feeling really tight in our finances, we just feel like we can't be generous, we're gonna miss some opportunities. And so this is to help equip you to use your funds, your finances, to be a blessing to others. And so that's why we're holding Financial Peace University. Speaking of that connection card that's inside your handouts, if you're a first time guest with us, you're going to notice our church family fill those out every week. We drop those in the uh, giving bags at the end of our worship gathering. You'll see on the back side, you can put prayer requests. We sign up for various things like FPU or when we serve at the food bank. But if you're a first-time guest, I'm going to ask you to consider filling out the entire front of that card. If you do, we will donate on your behalf $5 to Compassion International. Compassion is an organization that supports children. Their mission is to help release children from poverty in Jesus' name. And so if you will fill that out and drop that in the giving bag, to say thank you, we are going to donate $5 on your behalf to Compassion and make a difference in the life of a kid. So we will be collecting those, though, at the end of our worship gathering. So if something during the message today causes you to have a question or makes you think of a prayer request, totally feel free to pull that out and write on it as we're continuing on in worship. All right, one more announcement. Next week is daylight saving time. So if you forget to spring your clocks forward one hour before you go to bed... You're going to show up here right about the time we have our closing song and we start tearing down. Now, we'd love to have your help on Teardown, but we'd also love to have you here for our worship gathering. So please, remember, Saturday night, as you head to bed, spring those clocks forward one hour. Yes, it's going to feel like you're here a little bit earlier on Sunday morning, but I promise you, we will have coffee. All right? So please, come next Sunday on time, and we will have a great Sunday together. Well, have any of you ever gone to a restaurant? absolutely famished. And, and so when you're ordering your meal, you don't just order your meal, you also order adve- appetizer. And while you're at it, you just go ahead and order dessert. But as you're eating in the middle of your entree, you realize, I'm getting stuffed. And, and you're not even sure you're going to be able to finish your meal, let alone get to dessert. And you suddenly realize that you have bitten off more than you can chew. Any, anyone here? I'm, I'm asking for a friend, by the way. Yeah, I think all of us, have bitten off more than we can chew. I I think we've all had moments where we've gone through the potluck line and we've just loaded a little too much on the plate. Or or we keep saying yes to things, and next thing we know, our schedule is just absolutely jam-packed. Or we bought just a few too many Christmas presents, and suddenly the credit card bill comes, and we've discovered that we've bitten off more than we can chew. Well, when it came to my message this week, I almost bit off more than I could chew. Because my original plan was to go to Genesis 15 and help you see this very strange, unique story and discover Jesus there. However, as I'm doing my Bible reading plan, uh, that hopefully some of you are doing with me as well. I'm trying to find my bookmark. I started in this week and I start reading about the life of, of Abraham. And all of a sudden I'm like, ooh, that would be really good. And then I'm reading in the next chapter, oh, I, I should take a little bit of that. And next thing I know, my preaching plate had, you know, a bit of, of chapter 14 and 17 and 22. And I mean, I just kept piling this stuff on. Pretty soon, I was looking at about a two-hour and 20-minute message. <laughs> so I realized, okay, we got to go on a content diet. We, we need to, like, put some of this away because I think some of you would like to actually get home and have lunch. All right, so I thought, all right, I'm going to trust that some of you are doing this Bible reading plan. If you're not and you don't have any sort of Bible reading plan, we have more of these bookmarks back on the back table. Just pick one up, and I don't care that we're about halfway through. Just go ahead and just pick up the date and start joining with us. I think you'll get a lot because I'm going to miss a lot of Abraham's story today. And so I would love for you to hear it because there's more about Abraham that I'd love for you to capture because he is such a key figure in the scriptures and in multiple faiths. So I'd love for you to know more about Abraham. So grab a bookmark, join us on this reading plan. If you already have a reading plan, like you're going through the whole Bible in a year, great, stick with that. But if you're not doing anything, grab this because one chapter a day, maybe five minutes And you'll just watch God really begin to teach you a lot, and you'll see the Bible in a new way. So pick one of these up and uh, join us, and then I don't have to feel so guilty for cutting so much. So here's what we are going to do. We are going to get to know Abraham today. When we meet him, his name is Abram. And so we're going to meet him in Genesis 12, and so that's going to be our appetizer. Then we're going to go to our main dish. We're going to go into Genesis 15, and we're going to see this really strange story. That's where we're going to kind of camp out. But then we're going to have dessert. We're going to actually go back and have our appetizer again, but we're going to see it in a whole new way, and I'm hoping it will help you in wanting to follow Jesus more. So let's pray. Father, as we get ready to jump into the scriptures, I pray that you be our teacher today. Would you just take the the minds and hearts of the people that you have gathered together, and and may you do something for them to help them see Jesus just a little more clearly, no matter where they are at in their spiritual journey. I pray for anyone here today that does not have a faith in Christ. They have not put their identity in you. And that today might be the day of rebirth. That today they would see what Jesus did for them. And it would just cause a great spiritual awakening. Their eyes would be opened and you would do something beautiful in their life starting today. And Father, for those that are walking with you, I pray that you would just encourage them in their journey. That they would find themselves wanting to celebrate who you are. Because you have saved their soul. And this is worth celebrating. So, Father, be our teacher now. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. All right, so if you brought a Bible or you got a Bible app on your phone, go ahead and open it to Genesis chapter 12. Genesis 12. If you don't have a Bible, by the way, we have some uh, paper copies on the back table. After our worship gathering, totally feel free to just swipe one of those. Make it your Bible. In fact, grab a, re- a reading bookmark while you're at it. Make that your Bible. If you've got a smartphone, we totally allow those to be used. Uh, I'm not worried if you're going to head off to Facebook or Twitter. I figure if I can't keep your, your attention, that's my fault. So please, pull out the phone, open up the Bible. Let's all read this together. If you don't have either of those, I've got the scripture on the screen, so we can be together. But uh, I just encourage you, everyone, I'd love to see all of you have something in your hands as we study this together. All right, as we get ready to go into Genesis 12, just a quick reminder. Last week, we were in Genesis 11, and we looked at the Tower of Babel. This is the famous story where God comes down, see these people building this tall tower, and he confuses their language. And what we discovered was that there were two reasons why God confused their language. One of those reasons was that the people did not want to be dispersed across the earth. They wanted to kind of build a city and just encamp there. But that was in direct opposition to what God had been commanding humanity. We saw that God told Adam and Eve when he made them to be fruitful and multiply and to fill the earth. And then he said it again to Abra- I mean, to Noah. He said twice, be fruitful and multiply and fill the earth. So this is the command that God has for people. However, God is going to say the same thing to Abraham in a slightly different way. So when we meet Abraham, his name is Abram at this point. And we're going to hear the same thing, but in a different way. Chapter 12, verses 1 through 3. Now the Lord said to Abram, Go from your country and your kindred and your father's house to the land that I will show you. And I will make of you a great nation. And I will bless you and make your name great, so that you will be a blessing. I will bless those who bless you, and and him who dishonors you, I will curse. And in you, all the families of the earth shall be blessed. Now, if you start paying attention in there, you start noticing that same idea. It starts off, God says to to Abram, go from your country and your kindred and your father's house to the land I will show you. This sounds to me like fill the earth, like go, spread out, go to this area. So the same idea of, of sending. And then he says, and I will make of you a great nation. Well, a nation means lots of people. So that means there's going to be a lot of descendants, a lot of people. This is, to me, be fruitful and multiply. So it's the same message. But did you notice the difference? Because he tacks on there, and I will bless you. Now, when God tells Adam and Noah, I don't think that he was trying to remove his blessing from them. We could actually go and see that when he told them, be fruitful, multiply, and fill the earth, there's a number of blessings. I mean, anytime you have a child, that is a blessing right there. But there's something else going on here with Abram. Because not only is it that Abram will be blessed, it says that you will be a blessing. So somehow Abram's going, his multiplying, will not only bless him, it will cause him to be a blessing. In fact, God ends it in verse 3 by saying, in you all the families of the earth shall be blessed. So what we have here is God saying to Abram, take off Don't worry about the location. I'll tell you when you get there. Just go. And if you do this, I will bless you. And one of the blessings is that he will have descendants. Now, you've got to know, all of this came true. In fact, let let me prove one aspect of it. How many of you, before you walked into this room, had heard of Abraham before? All right, show of hands. All right um pretty much every hand just went up well did you notice that god said to abram that i will make you a great nation and it will bless you and make your name great this is probably taking place six thousand seven thousand years ago and here we are we know the name of abraham now, now, some of you, you know his name because maybe you grew up in a Christian home, so you were in church every single Sunday, and so you had flannel graph. I mean, some of you are too young for flannel graph, but you, know, you, you saw the, the picture of the old man that's supposed to be Abraham, and you've heard this story. But maybe you didn't grow up in church. Maybe it was when you took off to college and you took a world religion course, and suddenly you discover that Islam and Judaism and Christianity all claim Abraham is a father of their faith. Abraham is well known. His name was made great. But that isn't the only thing that happened. All of this happened. Abram really did leave with his wife Sarai and his nephew Lot and all of his possessions, his servants, his people, and they took off. They came to a land. God ended up saying, this is the area where you are going to inhabit. And sure enough, that is the area that Israel is now. But not only that, In Abraham's old age, God gives him and Sarah. God renames Abram and Sarai to Abraham and Sarah. And he gives them a child, Isaac. Abraham was 100 years old. Sarah, 90. These guys should have been great grandparents by this time. And yet here they are holding a baby. And that baby Isaac grows up to get married. He has children, two of which were twins, Jacob and Esau. We're going to meet them next week. Jacob ends up being one who goes and gets married, has 12 sons, and those 12 sons become the 12 tribes of Israel. A nation was made. All of this came true. But you wouldn't blame Abram one bit for having some doubts along the way. He was 75 years old when these words were said to him. And it wasn't until 25 years later that he finally gets to hold his baby, Isaac, I think along the journey, if that were me, I'd have some doubts. I'd I'd question. I'd wonder, God, are you really going to come through? And we see one of those moments in Genesis 15. So go ahead and flip a couple of pages or scroll a little further on your phone to Genesis 15. And we're going to see a little bit of the doubt that Abram had. Now, before we get into 15, you need to realize what just took place. There was a bunch of kings. They decided to go to war with each other. And in the process, they end up capturing uh, Abram's nephew, Lot, and all of his family possessions. And they end up carting him off. Abram gets word. And so Abram actually goes, gets his men. It says there was like 312. And they go to fight against an army. And they win. They rescue Lot. They get Lot and all of his possessions back back. And they win in such a fashion that the king that they defeat says, well, I guess all of this is yours. He's going to give Abram the plunder. And Abram actually says, no, I don't want it. Like, spread it out among them. But I don't want a penny. Because I don't want you to think that you somehow made me wealthy and rich. No, God is the one who's made me wealthy. He turns it all down. So that helps you understand why chapter 15 starts the way it does. After these things... The word of the Lord came to Abram in a vision. Fear not, Abram. I am your shield. So he just went to war, and he comes out okay. God's saying, I will protect you. Your reward shall be very great. So here, he turns down all the plunder because God is the one who's going to reward him. But notice Abram's doubt. But Abram said, "Oh Lord God, what will you give me? For I continue childless, and the heir of my house is Eliezer of Damascus. And Abram said, Behold, you have given me no offspring, and a member of my household will be my heir. Remember, three chapters earlier, about ten years before, God says, I will make you a mighty nation. But God, you know, if if that's going to take place, I kind of need a kid. Because I mean, like right now, if I would have died in that war, Eliezer, my my servant, he would have gotten my stuff. And I mean, I love Eliezer. I mean, he's a great servant, great guy, but he's not my kid. He's not my son. He's not my flesh and blood. God, you said you were going to do this. When is it going to happen? So notice God's response, verse 4. And behold, the word of the Lord came to him. This man shall not be your heir. Your very own son shall be your heir. And he, God, brought Abram outside and said, look toward heaven and number the stars if you were able to number them. And then he, God, said to him, so shall your offspring be. And he believed the Lord, and he, God, counted it to Abram as righteousness. If you're in a growth group, you're going to study that verse right there, verse 6, in much more greater depth. So I encourage you this week, don't miss growth group because it's, it's powerful. I had a lot of fun putting that together this week. But what we see is Abram have his moment of doubt, and God says, hey, come here, let's walk outside. I'm I'm imagining it's like early, early morning. It's like 3, 4, 5 in the morning. It's still super dark out. And can you imagine back then? There's no electricity, so there's no city lights to obscure the view. He walks outside, and the sky is crystal clear. I mean, it's just dotted with diamonds all over the place. And God says, all right, try counting them that right there is how many descendants you will have and here at 85 years old abram believes god trusts him but god doesn't stop god doesn't just say okay my word is enough god says you know what i'm gonna make sure that you really know that i will come through this is gonna happen in my time but i want you to know that i will carry this out and that's when things really start getting strange skip over to verse 9 He, God, said to him, Abram, Bring me a heifer three years old, a female goat three years old, a ram three years old, a turtledove, and a young pigeon. And he, Abram, brought the Lord all these, cut them in half, and laid each half over against the other. But he did not cut the birds in half. All right, this sounds really strange to our modern-day ears. What is going on? In our day and age, if we want to see an agreement made, We would get a piece of paper, we'd draft this document, we'd probably have it, you know, notarized, and we'd sign it and date it at the bottom, and now we have a contract, an agreement between parties. But back in Abram's day, they didn't grab paper and pen, they grabbed animals. And they would enter a covenant, and they didn't just make a covenant, the word was that they would cut a covenant. What they would do is they would take these animals and they would cut them. One commentary I read this week said that they would actually cut them from head to toe. Can you imagine the type of instruments they would have had back then? How they would try to accomplish that? I I imagine that God is doing this here in this early wee morning, you know, the wee morning hours. It's like 5 a.m. You still see the stars. God says, All right, gather these animals. And next we're gonna see that the sun is beginning to set. I think Abram spent all day working on this. You see, what would normally take place is that these two men would say, We're gonna make an agreement, so we're gonna cut a covenant they grab an animal, they cut them in half, they put the two sides apart from each other, and the blood kind of runs together. And then the guys would take off their sandals, and they'd walk through the trail of blood barefoot. And when they did that, they would basically, in our day and age, we would shake hands, we'd you know, say, yes, we agree to this. They were basically saying, we're blood brothers. We're now partners. We are in this together, and we will not break this fellowship. But if one of us does break it, If one of us fails on our end of this agreement, you may do to me what we just did to these animals. The the penalty was not jail. It it wasn't to get a fine. It wasn't just to get a bad reputation. The penalty was death. And you would say, I will be cut like these animals. The best uh, illustration I could think of for a covenant in our day and age was marriage. Now, many of you in this room have, are, are, are married or you've been at a wedding ceremony. And, uh, you know, when the bride and groom, they're up front. The bride looks just amazing in her white dress. The groom, no one believed he could actually clean up that well. You know, and, and they stand there together. And then the pastor starts, you know, saying a bunch of words. Everyone kind of like, all right, let's just get on with this. And then there comes this moment where the husband and the wife, as they're still fiancé, they're going to share these vows, exchange them. But could you imagine that suddenly at that moment, instead of saying, all right, repeat after me, the pastor says, all right, bring out the lamb. And suddenly he fires up the chainsaw, starts cutting that thing. I know this is really gross. Sorry, I didn't mean to get R-rated. But then you, you, you cut it, and they put the sides side by side. And then here they are, all dressed up, and they're supposed to walk through this trail of blood to say, I will adhere to you so tightly that if I break this bond, you can kill me i think if that was part of our ceremonies we'd probably see a few less wedding ceremonies uh but if, if it did i have a feeling the divorce rate would probably drop i mean the a number of affairs i think would definitely decrease because if you get caught you don't just get divorced you don't just get a bad name you die now realize that abram is about to enter into this with a perfect holy god taking him all day he's gathered these animals he's using his you know crude instruments trying to kill these animals and cut them in half put the sides out in in verse 11 it even says that birds of prey began to come trying to feast on the carcasses and he's got to chase them off he spent all day on this i wonder what he was thinking (laughs) sitting there thinking all right you're god you're perfect like okay yeah you can uphold your end but what if i mess up like this is not looking good for me like what what's gonna happen but yet he carries through and then something even more bizarre begins to happen verse 12 as the sun was going down a deep sleep fell on abram and behold dreadful and great darkness fell upon him this was not a sleep of, wow, I've been working all day on cutting these animals and chasing off you know, birds of prey. I'm tired. I'm just going to take a little snooze until God finally decides to show up and we can walk through this trail of blood. No, this is a deep sleep that's being brought on by God. Because if you keep reading, you see God begins to speak to Abram within this dream. And he begins to not only tell him, hey, I'm going to come through. He actually begins to describe the nation and what they are going to go through for the next four, or 500 years. God has put him to sleep. And as he's asleep, something happens. Skip all the way down to verse 17. When the sun had gone down and it was dark, behold, a smoking firepot and a flaming torch passed between these pieces. And on that day, the Lord made a covenant with Abram. Two parties passed through the trail of blood, but neither of them, was Abram. And yet, God says to him, I've now made this covenant. The two things. One was a fire pot. This was a type of oven that people would have used to prepare grain or other things for a burnt offering to God. It was for purification. The the torch, some of the commentaries I read this week, said that that too would represent purification because fire was used for a purifying process. So these two objects representing purification pass through. One representing God and one taking the place of Abram. It's like God looking at Abram saying, I will do this. And in fact, I will do it so much that even if you don't know what pulled your end, I will be cut for you. And that's where we see Jesus. Because that is exactly what Jesus did for us. When we went in Genesis chapters 2 and 3, we saw Adam and Eve. And God only gave them one command, but they broke it. And when they did, sin entered all of creation and infected all of humanity. And as we've been walking through these various stories, we keep seeing sin after sin after sin. All of humans are affected. And we saw very clearly that the penalty for sin was death. In other words, we were like in a relationship with God, a covenant. He made us. But yet we broke it. And so we deserved to be cut, to be killed for that sin. And yet Jesus loved us so much that he passed through the trail of blood for us. He was cut on our behalf so that we didn't have to pay the penalty. Therefore, we can now enter into a relationship with God. This is the gospel. And here we are. 4,000 years before Jesus ever walked on earth? And God is whispering it through this strange covenant that he's making with Abraham. This entire story points to Jesus. But more than that, all of Abram's story points to Jesus. So far in this His Story series, we've seen that Jesus was the true and better Adam. We also, when we looked at the story of Cain and Abel, we saw that Jesus was the true and better Abel. We also saw a couple weeks ago with Noah that Jesus was the true and better Noah. Well, guess what? This week, we see that Jesus is the true and better Abraham. And we see it right in the very beginning of Abram's story. So flip back to Genesis 12. And I want you to notice that the very things that God says to Abraham actually end up being ultimately fulfilled in Christ. Verse 1 says that now the Lord said to Abram, go from your country and your kindred and your father's house to the land that I We'll show you. God was sending Abram away from his father's house someplace else. Well, we know that Jesus was sent from the father, from his father's house to a people. In fact, Jesus said it this way in John chapter 12. He's speaking to the crowds, and, he, and Jesus cried out and said, whoever believes in me believes not in me, but in him who sent me. And whoever sees me sees him who sent me. God sent his son into this world, into this land for us. But it doesn't stop there. Back in Genesis 12, the next thing we see is that God says to Abram, I will make you a great nation. And sure enough, God did when he created the Jewish people. But it didn't stop there. He also made a great nation through Jesus. Because if you go to 1 Peter chapter 2, As Peter's writing to these Jewish people who follow Jesus, they believe that Jesus was the Jewish Messiah. He says this in chapter 2, verses 9 and 10 of his letter. But you, these Jesus followers, you are a chosen race, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a people for his own possession. That you may proclaim the excellencies of him who called you out of darkness into his marvelous light. Once you were not a people, but now you are God's people. Once you had not received mercy, but now you have received mercy. These are Jewish people that he's writing to. They should have automatically been in. And yet it wasn't just through their Jewishness. It was through Jesus that they became a chosen race. It was through Jesus they became a holy priesthood. It was through Jesus they became a holy nation. Jesus has a nation, and it's his followers. Third thing we see God tell Abram back in Genesis 12 is that he will bless him and make his name great. Well, it was great. I mean, just a moment ago, you all raised your hands saying, yeah, I I know of Abraham. That's how great his name is. Thousands of years later, we know of him. But here's how great Jesus' name is. Paul, when he writes to this church in Philippi, he says this as he's describing Jesus in chapter 2, verses 10 and 11. So that at the name of Jesus... Every knee should bow in heaven and on earth and under the earth. And every tongue confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. Jesus' name is so great that we don't just raise our hand. Yeah, I've I've heard of him. Jesus' name is so great that every knee will bow. And every tongue will ultimately confess that Jesus Christ is Lord. But then there's one more thing that God said to Abram. The fourth thing he said to him was that in you... All the families of the earth shall be blessed. I want you to see this one for yourself. So if you know where Galatians is, flip over to Galatians chapter 3. Galatians chapter 3. Galatians is written by the Apostle Paul. He's writing to a church in Galatia that he helped to start. And word has gotten to him that this doctrine, this philosophy was starting to creep in that, that in, or, in order to really truly please God, yeah, you had to believe in Jesus, but really you also had to be Jewish. You, you had to abhe- adhere to the Jewish customs of of, of the, eating the right foods and wearing the right clothes and, and going through the right rituals. And Paul, who was Jewish, just starts like, no, 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 no. So he starts writing them a letter to correct it and bring them back to the gospel. And so here he's like, you know what? I'm going to help them understand this. I'm going to go to one of the greatest examples I can go to. I'm going to go to Abraham, the father of the Jewish faith. And he says this in chapter 3, verse 6. By the way, I'm using the Net Bible on this instead of my ESV. My ESV, they finish it out with chapter 5 with a question, but every other translation I looked at this week starts chapter, I mean verse 6, with a brand new sentence, and it just helps it come through a little clearer. So that's why I picked up my Net Bible for this one. Uh, Chapter 3, verse 6. Just as Abraham believed God and it was credited to him as righteousness. That's Genesis 15, 6 right there. So then, understand that those who believe are the sons of Abraham. And the scripture, foreseeing that God would justify the Gentiles by faith, proclaimed the gospel to Abraham ahead of time, saying, all the nations will be blessed in you. That's Genesis twelve three. So then, those who believe are blessed, along with Abraham, The believer. God tells Abram, all the families of the world will be blessed because of you. And ultimately, the Jewish people were created. And it was through the Jews that came Jesus. The perfect, sinless, spotless Lamb of God. The Son of God, taken on the human flesh. He went and died our death, but rose again from the dead. And everyone who exercises faith, just like Abraham put his faith in the word of God, when you put your faith in this story, you become blessed. And the amazing thing is, you become one of those stars that Abraham saw. Because he's, Paul is pointing out that it isn't just the biological sons and daughters of Abraham. That when you exercise faith just like Abraham did... You become his spiritual son and his spiritual daughter. That is how Abraham has so many descendants that they can't be counted. If you're here today and you are not a follower of Jesus, I just want you to know, I'm glad you're here. We actually started Riverwood Church for you. We did not start this church simply so that we could gather a bunch of Christians from other churches and just call it good and have a you know, nice little Christian club. We have this mission that we are on to invite the spiritually disconnected to find and follow Jesus. And if you are feeling spiritually disconnected, we want you to know that you are welcome and we are not going to arm twist you into anything. But what I am going to do is I'm going to invite you. I'm going to invite you to place your faith in Jesus. That you would do what Abraham did. Because the word of God says that Jesus Christ, the sinless son of God, took on human flesh, and he went and died our death in our place. He walked the trail of blood. He was cut for us. And when we put our faith in that, we find new life. We're no longer spiritually disconnected. We're now reconnected back to our Father. I want you to experience that. And it isn't about just getting a feeling. It isn't about just getting an emotion. It isn't about just God suddenly coming in and just fixing everything. This is about God saying, I love you. I've created you. You are mine. And I died in your place. So come. Come. Most people, when their eyes are open, that's truth. When when they realize that this is where they need to put their faith, to put their identity, they often express the moment in prayer. In a moment, I am going to pray. And I'm just going to encourage you. You can ignore my prayer. And you can just talk to God yourself. And you can just say something like this. God, I realize that my sin deserved death, but that you paid it for me. So I thank you. And because you died my death, I'm now gonna follow you and give my life to you. If you make that decision today, on that connection card in your handout, would you just mark on the back of that, today you began this journey. We're not gonna trumpet it and make it, you know, embarrass you or anything. We wanna celebrate with you in what God is doing in your life. And we want to begin to help you to follow Jesus. Because what we believe this world needs is people who live like Jesus lived and love like Jesus loved. In case you haven't noticed, it's a pretty contentious world right now. We need a bunch of people who are going to go out there and love like Jesus and live like him among everyone. But that comes when you are reborn inside and God takes the image that he put in mankind and he begins to repolish it and to remake it and to remold it. And slowly over time, you will look more and more like Jesus in your actions, in your attitudes, in your beliefs. And people will find themselves feeling blessed because they were around you. See, that's the thing about Abraham's story. It doesn't just point to Jesus. It can also point to you. Because if you're willing to, God is saying, I want to send you. I want to send you into your neighborhood. I want to send you into your workplace. I want to send you into your home. I want to send you to your friends, to your family. And I want to make you a blessing to them. And that begins with Jesus. So if you're not a follower of Jesus, I invite you to follow him. I realize many of my Riverwood family, you already have a faith in Christ. But maybe this week, this month, this year, it's been a struggle. Yeah, you know the truth, but... Feeling spiritually disconnected. Something's going on and you're wrestling. I want to encourage you. Come back to Christ. God loves you. He's forgiven you. If you continue on with the story of Abraham, he actually goes on to sin a couple of times. Like, really big. He, he blows it. And yet God still lo- loves him. God still uses him. There's nothing you've done that God can't forgive. So if you would, in your heart, just fall on your knees before him, confess your sin, and know that you are forgiven. As we go to these communion elements, may they remind you that Jesus walked the trail of blood, that he was cut on your behalf. And as you pick up that bread and you take that cup, you realize his body was broken for you. His blood was shed for you. He did this so that you didn't have to pay for your sin. He it for you. If you're a first-time guest with us, I want you to know that this table is